Welcome to my podcast, Writing Then and Now. This is Linda Lavid, and I read uh, excerpts from novels written before 1930 and discuss what I like about them or what I may not like about them. And it's just for me, uh, since I am a writer myself, to learn, uh, see if I can learn something from books that have been written a long time ago, over 100 years. So here we go. Today's book is Orlando, a biography by uh, Virginia Woolf. So let us begin. Chapter one. He, for there could be no doubt of his sex, though the fashion of the time did something to disguise it, was in the act of slicing at the head of a moor, which swung out, which swung from the rafters. It was the color of an odd football and more or less the shape of one, save for the sucken cheeks and a strand or two of coarse dry hair, like the hair on a coconut. Orlando's father, or perhaps his grandfather, had struck it from the shoulders of a vast pagan who had started up under the moon in the barbarian fields of Africa, and now it swung gently perpetually in the breeze which never ceased blowing through the attic rooms of the gigantic house of the Lord who had slain him. So, um, be, I, before I go on, there's something, somebody is doing something to something that's dead. The head of a moor, is this a person, the head of a person? That's like from a long time ago? Like, that's kind of crazy. Anyways, let's continue. Orlando's father had ridden in fields of asphodel and stony fields and fields watered by strange rivers and they had struck many heads of many colors off many shoulders and brought them back to hang from the rafters so uh, as a sideline this is uh, apparently of a, a head of somebody <laughs> so too would Orlando he vowed but since he was 16 only and too young to ride with them in Africa or France he would steal away from his mother and the peacocks in the garden and go to his attic room and there lunge and plunge and slice the air with his blade. Sometimes he cut the cord so that the skull bumped on the floor and he had to string it up again, fascinating it with some chivalry almost out of reach so that his enemy grinned at him through shrunk black lips triumphantly. The skull swung to and fro for the house at the top of which he lived was so vast that there seemed trapped in it the wind itself blowing this way, blowing that way, winter or summer. The green aras with the hunters on it moved perpetually. His fathers had been noble since they had been at all. They came out of the northern mists wearing coronets on their heads. Were not the bars of darkness in the room and the yellow pools which checkered the floor made by the sun falling through the stained glass of a vast coat of arms in the window. Orlando stood now in the midst of the yellow body of a heraldic leopard. When he put his hand on the windowsill to push the window open, it was instantly colored red, blue, and yellow like a butterfly's wing. Thus, those who like symbols and have a turning for the deciphering of them might observe that though the shapely legs, the handsome body, and the well-set shoulders 
were all of them decorated with various tints of heraldic light. Orlando's face, as he threw the window open, was lit solely by the sun itself. A more candid, sullen face it would be impossible to find. Happy the mothers, happy the mother who bears, happier still the biographer who records the life of such a one. Now this is called Orlando a biography. So we have an interesting young man here. Uh, he seems he's one of, uh, comes from money and comes from, you know, a heraldic background and uh, seems to be quite a, uh, a gentleman who's interested in bearing arms and uh, stuff like that. Never need she vex herself, nor he invoke the help of a novelist or poet. From deed to deed, from glory to glory, from office to office, he must go, his scribe following after, till they reach whatever seat it may be that is his height, that is the height of their desire. Orlando to look at was cut out precisely for some career, some such career. The red of his of the cheeks was covered with peach down. The down on the lips was only a little thicker than the down on the cheeks. The lips themselves were short and slightly drawn back over teeth of an exquisite and almond whiteness. Nothing disturbed the arrowy nose in its short, tense flight. The hair was dark, the ears small, and fitted closely to the head. But alas, that was these categories of youth, beauty, cannot end without mentioning forehead and eyes. Alas, that people are seldom born devoid of all three. For directly we glance at Orlando standing by the window, we must admit that he had eyes like drenched violets so large that the water seemed to have brimmed in them and widened them, and a brow like the swelling of a marble dome pressed between two blank medallions, which were his temples. Directly we glance at eyes and forehead Thus do we rap, 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 uh, rap, let's see, rhapsody, rhapsodize. Directly we glance at eyes and forehead, we have to admit a thousand disagreeables, which it is the aim of every good biographer to ignore. Sights disturbed him like that of his mother, a very beautiful lady in green walking out to feed the peacocks with Twitchit, her maid, behind her. Sights exult exalted him, the birds and the trees, and made him in love with death. The evening sky, the homing rooks, and so mounting up the spiral stairway into his brain, which was a roomy one, all these sights and the garden sounds too, the hammer beating, the wood chopping, began that riot and confusion of the passions and emotions which every good biographer detests. But to continue, Orlando slowly drew his head Orlando slowly drew in his head, sat down at the table, and with the half-conscious air of one doing what they do every day of their lives at this hour, took out a writing book labeled Ethelbert, A Tragedy in Five Acts, and dipped an old stained goose quill in the ink. So um, I'm going to stop just a minute. This is pretty dense, and I'm having trouble following it. Um, it's interesting what she's doing. She's she does describe things, but it's it's difficult to follow because the description is embedded in um, narration that is, I don't know, sort of abstract or something. 
Um, and even the description is difficult to follow. It's, it's, it's too much, and I can't really visualize it because it's, it's description that's abstract or a description that has, is, is overly described without emotion or something. There's something for me that is off-putting in this. Um, the lips themselves were short and slightly drawn back over teeth of an exquisite and almond whiteness. I don't know. It's just the lips themselves. Why would they? He, she say the lips themselves. The lips were short. Now, short lips don't seem odd. That seems like an odd statement. So it makes me wonder. The lips themselves. We don't need themselves. The lips were short. Short in what way? Like the height? or the width. If, if it's the width, they'd be more narrow, I think. And slightly drawn back over the teeth of an exquisite and almond whiteness. Um, almond whiteness, what is, what is that? And then it goes on. Nothing disturbed the arrowy nose in its short, tense flight. Now, what does that mean? Nothing disturbed the arrowy nose in its short, tense flight. In other words, it lifts off from the face. Um, I don't know. The hair was dark, the ears small, and fitted closely to the head. But alas, that these catalogs of youth, beauty cannot end without mentioning forehead and eyes. It's it's kind of, and then she goes into she goes into describing the eyes and the forehead. I don't know. It's it's very convoluted description, and it's overly described. And I I'm here on page. Well, I'm not sure what page I'm on. I think I'm two pages in, and because um, there's a lot of pre pre prefaces and introductions before this, and I really don't even have an idea of what he looks like. It's so weird, you know, when you think about it. I'm just gonna read in a little bit more. Uh, so he sits down and he's gonna write something, and then it says goes on to say. Soon he had covered ten pages and more with poetry. He was fluent, evidently, but he was abstract. Vice, crime, misery were the personages of his drama. There were kings and queens of impossible territories. Horrid plots confounded them. Noble sentiments diffused them. There was never a word said as he himself would have said it. But all was turned with a fluency and sweetness, which, considering his age, he was not yet 17, and that the 16th century had still some years of it, of its course to run, were remarkable enough. At last, however, he came to a halt. He was describing, as all young poets are forever describing, nature, and in order to match the shade of green precisely, he looked, and here he showed more audacity than most, at the thing itself, which happened to be a laurel bush growing beneath the window. And after that, of course, he could write no more. So, so I've written, th I've written, I have read three pages, and it's about a kid who's, you know, privileged, who has a love of poetry, was, he seems like he's very good looking, although I really can't describe him. And um, that's all we know, there's nothing more going on here. I'll, I'll just read the next little few sentences. Green in nature is one thing. Green in literature is another. Nature and letters seem to have a natural antipathy. 
bring them together and they tear each other to pieces. The shade of green Orlando now saw spoilt his rhyme and split his meter. Moreover, nature has tricks of her own. Once look out, once look out of a window at bees among flowers, at a yawning dog, at the sun setting, once thinks, how many more sunsets, sunsets shall I see set, etc., etc. The thought is too well known to be worth writing about. And one drops the pen, takes one's cloak, strides out of the room and catches one's foot on a painted chest as one does, as one does so. For Orlando was a trifle clumsy. And then I'm going to stop here. Yeah, this is rough. I don't know. Um, I'm surprised at this. This is very uh, obtuse for me. Is that the word? Obscure, obtuse, difficult to understand, and not terribly interesting because um, there's a lot of description and it's uh, pages, I mean, very long sentences of description that are a description in an unusual way, but not in a enjoyable way, the description. It's just a little too convoluted for me. So Orlando, a biography, not my favorite. And so it goes. Thanks for listening if you've come this far. Have a great day.